We're going to read from John chapter 20, verse 24 through 25. Also, we're going to pray here for our service in just a minute. We're going to remember uh, Sister Kathy Bowling had to take Brother Lonnie to the ER, so we're going to pray for the, Brother Lonnie as well, that the Lord would touch him. But reading a few verses here, it said, But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, aren't you glad that's not your name, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger. That's kind of a funny phrase. Cooper says TH for F. So I was reading this and had him try saying, Hither thy finger, because it's finger that he says. That's kind of confusing. Hither thy finger. But he said, Reach hither thy finger and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. And I want to preach to you this morning the revelation of his wounds revelation of his wounds and I, I want us to pray this morning I want us to pray against distractions I want us to pray against doubt against fear because you know what we're going to talk a little bit about the resurrection even though it's not Easter and you know what the resurrection represents the enemy's greatest defeat so he's not going to enjoy hearing about his greatest defeat today and he's going to try everything in your life to block your ears, to distract you, to get your mind off of this. But I believe the Lord has something for someone today. And I want us to pray this morning that the Lord would open my own ears, that I would hear the word that I need today. And let's remember Brother Lonnie this morning as well. Let's pray this morning. Lord Jesus, we come before you. We are thankful, honored, and privileged to be here in your presence, God. That you have allowed us to gather together. You didn't have to, Lord, but here we are in your presence again. And Lord, I come before you believing for Brother Lonnie today that you would move and touch. Lord, you see what's going on in his body, that you would move, that you could begin to give him strength and healing right now, God. And Lord, I pray for this service that as your word goes forth, it would find its mark today, God. I come against any unbelief, any fear. I come against every distraction. Lord, we want your spirit to have free reign today. We want there to be liberty and freedom to receive your word, to hear from you today, God. And we give you the praise and glory for it. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. You may be seated this morning. That's not going to work. You got to take the cap off for a drink. The revelation of his wounds. We have here the story that we know, this, the, the disciple that we know, Doubting Thomas. This is the story from where he got his nickname of Doubting Thomas. We see the little bit of background that Jesus had appeared to his disciples post-resurrection, but Thomas, for whatever reason, had not been with them at that time. So they begin to tell and relate to Thomas what had taken place, and he has a little trouble believing that Jesus simply showed up, that he walked through walls, and that just seemed a little bit out there even for a man that had walked with Jesus and seen a whole lot. Because he'd seen Jesus crucified, he knew where he was buried. And although he had heard the resurrection story and prophecies, for Jesus just to show up seemed a little odd. 
And so Thomas tells the other disciples, that's fine for you to believe, but until I see the scars, until I see the wounds, unless I put my fingers in the wounds, then I'm not going to believe that that was really Jesus. We read in this passage now that eight days later that the disciples are gathered together again, and this time Thomas is with them, and Jesus shows up in the midst. In fact, he shows up and there's, there's the doors are shut. It says that it was all closed up. The room, there, there was nothing that opened. And all of a sudden, Jesus was just there. Aren't you glad that Jesus can just show up? He doesn't need an entrance. He doesn't need for you to make a way. He can just show up right in the middle of any situation. But we find Jesus just shows up. And he, he speaks specifically to Thomas. And he says, Thomas, here I am. Here's my wounds. I want you to put your fingers in the wounds. I want you to touch my side where they stab me. I want you to believe. And we find that Thomas, with this evidence of the wounds, we find that Thomas receives a revelation in his life. The first revelation that he receives, and we're not going to get into it really this morning, but the first revelation that he receives is simply a revelation of who Jesus really is. You see, this is the first time in Scripture, as Thomas speaks these words, that deity was specifically ascribed to Jesus. There had been people that say, we believe you're the Son of God. We believe that you are Messiah. But Thomas, when he saw the wounds that Jesus showed him, he said, my Lord and my God. He was the first person to ever say, that's my God. That's the one that I'm going to follow because he is truly divine. And I believe that each of us needs to get a revelation of who Jesus really is he's more than a teacher he's more than a rabbi he's more than some miracle worker that just shows up in your crisis no he is God manifest in flesh he came down to this earth he was robed in a physical body he is God this morning but I find it very interesting in this story about Jesus that he comes and shows his wounds because I find it very odd and, and it just seems a little different to me if I had been crucified, which I've come close a few times, but if I had been crucified and I had a glorified body, I would want a fully glorified body. How many of you have ever heard, you know, the preacher's preaching says, won't heaven be wonderful and all your arthritis will be gone and your, you won't be bald anymore and you'll have all this stuff? Maybe you haven't heard that, but now you have. Yeah, Forever 21, you get to shop there every day. <clears throat> but it seems to me a little odd that Jesus in his glorified body, that he has a body that's been resurrected, a body that can just appear in a room without any doors or windows. He's in this uh, new body. Nothing can hurt him physically. There's nothing that can happen to him now. And yet despite all of that, despite this glorified body and this, this uh, uh, magnificent thing that has happened with the resurrection, he chooses to keep his wounds. He didn't have to keep his wounds. He didn't have to show up and say, look, you can put... He could have said, you know what? The fact that I don't have holes in my hands is the fact that God can heal, that God can restore, that God can do all this stuff. And yet he decided to keep the wounds that had been inflicted upon him. Surely he could have negated those scars. Surely he could have decided that he did not want those reminders of the most horrible time of his life. And yet he decided to leave the wounds there, the scars. And I believe that he did it for a reason. I believe he did it because he wanted his wounds to reveal something to humanity. That even you and I as we sit here today, I believe that we can receive a revelation from his wounds today. 
And there's a few things I believe they reveal to you and I. I believe, first of all, that his wounds reveal his suffering to me. If there was ever a man innocent in every way who deserved really fairness in life, how many of you know life's not fair? But if there was ever a man who deserved fairness from life, it was the man, Jesus Christ. Is there, if there was ever a man who did not deserve anything that came his way, it was Jesus. And yet there he stands in front of his disciples and he has the marks of suffering, not just on his hands, but also on his feet and in his side. He has suffering marking his entire body. His wounds reveal that suffering will come my way. In fact, to get even deeper, his wounds reveal really that unless suffering comes my way, I cannot be like him. And we're not going to get too deep into the question of suffering this morning, but you and I know that suffering is present in this world even today. You and I know, in fact, people throughout this room, you have experienced suffering to varying degrees. And it is inescapable, and the reason is, is because you and I live in a fallen world. We live in a world that is cursed by sin. We live in a world where we know death now comes and sickness now comes and pain now comes. And so suffering is inescapable. In fact, the early church not just lived in a fallen world like you and I, but they expected suffering to be a part of their lives. So much so that scripture tells me they counted it all joy when they could suffer for his namesake. That's a far cry from what I think. I don't know about you, but I don't enjoy suffering, let alone count it all joy that now I'm suffering. But they counted it all joy that they could suffer for his name's sake. In fact, throughout the world today, there are people suffering for the name of Jesus Christ. And it seems like we have twisted Christianity, perhaps it's one of the fables, one of the myths that appeal to our flesh, that the idea that suffering is dispensed when I begin to walk for the Lord, that suffering is unfair in my life. Well, let me remind you that if any anyone deserved fairness in their life it was Jesus Christ and yet life was unfair to him circumstances were unfair to him and in fact I would put to you this morning that suffering is not just a part of my life but it's an integral part of me serving Jesus Christ you see when I see a risen Savior and I see his wounds it reveals to me that suffering is part of my walk with God Isaiah chapter 53 reads this way. He is despised and rejected of men. He is a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. You ever see those pictures of Jesus? You know those photographs of Jesus? And he's glowing with like a pregnancy glow or something. And he's got a halo on his head. And he has some of the, he has the opposite haircut of what we're, he's got those long flowing locks. Like he was in a rock band, he's got all that stuff and he's got perfectly chiseled features. They're chiseled. This says that in fact, he was despised, rejected, and it said we hid as it were our faces from him. I don't know if Jesus was ugly, but people hid their faces from him. But it says, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. First of all, let me say, aren't you glad that he was wounded for my sins? He was bruised for my iniquities. That peace came because of his suffering, and that by his stripes I can be healed today. I'm thankful for the victory that those verses proclaim. I'm thankful for what they represent in our lives today and we should rejoice in those things 
But never forget that in those verses are the words griefs and sorrows and stricken, smitten, afflicted, wounded, bruised, chastised and stripes. It all had to be endured before healing and peace and redemption could ever be realized. Paul states in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, that I may know him. How many of you want to know the Lord? I want to know Jesus more and more. And Paul here gives us a little formula. If you want to know Him, you've got to know Him in the power of His resurrection. I'm thankful that one day I came to an altar and suddenly a power came inside of me. Something quickened me that I know is not of this world. It was supernatural. And in fact, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead began to work inside of me. And I began to speak in a language that I did not know as the power of the Holy Ghost began to flow in me. I'm thankful for the Holy Ghost. Oh, come on. I'm thankful for the Holy Ghost in my life today. I'm thankful that he saved me. Amen. And we've been talking about the Holy Ghost and I want to keep unwrapping the Holy Ghost because there's a whole lot of power contained in it that I don't even realize in my life. And so I've got to know him in the power of his resurrection. This old man has got to be crucified and a new creature has to be arisen in me. The power of his resurrection. And then he says, but not only is it the power of the Holy Ghost, but it's in the fellowship of his sufferings. It's the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. You see, Paul tells us that I can't know him outside of suffering. I can't know him outside of, of, of bad things happening in my life. That's how integral it is that if I want to know God, then I must know suffering as well. His wounds reveal that he suffered. But his wounds also revealed to me that he knows what I'm going through. Hebrews chapter 4 verses 14 through 16 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest. He's not just a high priest, but he's a great high priest. That is passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. You see, when I see his wounds, I'm reminded that suffering is going to come my way. I'm reminded that suffering is part of knowing him, but it also reveals to me that he knows what I'm going through, that he understands my pain, that he knows my heartache, that he understands my wounds as well. You see, this verse states that he understands or has compassion for my weaknesses. For those moments when I feel like I can't make it. For those moments when it seems like life is about to overtake me. And I'm not sure exactly how it all works out. I'm not sure at what point this all took place. And maybe you think it's not true. But I believe that Jesus Christ on the cross did not just take our sin upon himself. But he also knows exactly what you and I go through. You see, I believe Jesus knows exactly how you feel today. And I can't explain how he does. But I, let me just put it plain for you. I know what Jesus feels like to be abused. I don't know how he does because I don't read that he was ever abused physically in scripture. But I believe Jesus knows how the abused person feels. I know Jesus wasn't ever married. But I know what he feels like to be cheated on. To go through a divorce. To go through heartache. I believe he feels that pain today. I know that Jesus didn't ever have to deal with the passing of a spouse or a child in that case. But I do believe he knows exactly how I feel in my circumstances. You need to understand when you see the wounds today. In these 
to reveal that you know what? No one else may know what you're going through. No one else may understand exactly what your situation's like. But he bore that feeling on the cross. He bore exactly what happened in your life. He knows exactly how it feels. And today I want to challenge you. If you find yourself in that situation today, when you, you may be sitting here thinking, no one, they, they all look real nice. They all look real good. Nobody really knows what I'm going through. That's true. I'll give you that. But there's someone here who knows. If you would get a fresh revelation of his wounds today, his hands speak that he knows what you're going through. His feet speak that he knows what you're going through. His side says, I know what you're going through. And it's at that point... When I begin to get a revelation of his wounds, that he not just uh, went through suffering, but he knows what I'm going through, that suddenly I can do what verse 14 says. It says to hold fast our profession. In that moment when it seems like it's all lost, in that moment when it seems like I'm alone and I'm far away from anyone, I suddenly get a revelation of his wounds and I realize he knows, he understands, and so I can hold on a little bit longer. I can make it another day. I can get up tomorrow because I know he knows what I'm going through oh come on aren't you thankful that he knows that he understands what you're going through and I want to challenge someone today I want to challenge you today because Thomas had heard all this Thomas had heard it all before the disciples came and said, Jesus came and he showed us his wounds and he showed us all this. We know he's God and we know that he rose again. And I'm challenging you today. You may have heard that before. I'm not challenging you to hear today. I'm challenging you to get a revelation of his wounds today. If it means you saying, I'm not going to believe until I put my hands in it, my, my fingers in his hands and my hand on his side, that's fine because you know what he did for Thomas? He showed up when he said it. Now he said, you got to have a little more faith in that. But he showed up when Thomas said, I, I need to see a little something more. And I'm challenging you today, if you feel lost, if you feel alone, I'm challenging you not just to hear my words, but to get a revelation of his wounds today. That you get something that causes you to say, my Lord and my God. I, it doesn't matter to me about the revelation, but it matters in your circumstance. It matters in your heart. Allow him to reveal his wounds today. His wounds also remind me not just that he knows what I'm going through, but his wounds also remind me that this is a fight that I'm in. You see, because his wounds are not just mere crucifixion wounds, but really they're battle scars. I've mean, got a few battle scars. I've mean, got a few stupid scars as well. I've got a few stupid scars on my hand. Drilled through something and uh, was trying to keep that insulation from getting wrapped up in the drill bit. Forgot that it could get wrapped up in my hand as well. Got a, got a scar here where, well, I saved, the, I saved the police car from a piece of wood that was going to fall on it, but it stuck in my hand instead. Got some scars on my knees from some dumb things. But Jesus had battle scars. They weren't just wounds, they were battle scars. And his wounds revealed to me today that I'm in a fight. And there's people here today that you're in a fight. I'm not talking about life. I'm not talking about circumstances that have just come your way. I'm not talking about life's just being unfair. But I'm talking about the enemy of your soul is coming against you. And the enemy is here to do just three things. He's here to steal. He's here to kill. And he's here to destroy. 
And there's people here today that you're in the middle of the fight. It's not just that life is throwing you things, but the enemy is trying to steal from you. It's trying to kill things in your life. It's trying to destroy you, ultimately. There's an enemy that walks about. He's trying to destroy your relationships. He's trying to kill your finances. He's trying to destroy your family. In fact, he's trying to destroy your very faith. There's people that sit here today and your faith is hanging on by a thread because the enemy has come against you and tried to convince you of so many things. Paul tells us that we are in a fight with some of his last words when he states that he has fought a good fight of faith. And in fact, Paul tells Timothy as well, he challenges him to fight the good fight of faith, to lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I want to challenge you, remind you today that when I see his wounds, they remind me that I am in a fight. Now is not the time to be lax. Now is not the time to quit. Now is not the time to back up because the enemy's not going to quit. The enemy's not going to back up. Parents, the enemy enemy's not going to leave your kids alone. Parents, I know school's getting ready to start. It's time to get on the offensive. It's time to get ready because the enemy's not going to quit. We don't need Christians that are willing to quit at this moment in time. We need young people who are willing to fight. We need young adults who are willing to fight. And his wounds remind me that I'm in a fight. And we understand that we are fighting against more than what we can see. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. I'm sure many could quote it. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But against principalities. Against powers. Against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Against spiritual wickedness in high places. We are not fighting just things. But we are fighting something spiritual. It's not just about our kids education. No there's something spiritual happening. It's not just about supreme court rulings. No there's something spiritual spiritual happening. Second Corinthians says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I want to remind you this morning. I want his wounds to remind you this morning that you are, uh, you and I are in a fight and that we cannot quit now we cannot back up now oh come on there needs to be something that stirs up within you (laughs) you know what it's real easy for me to get stirred up about some things you just get online and start watching some some uh, commentators and watching this and watching that you can get stirred up pretty quick I get stirred up about stuff and then I think man I just got to shut this off because I'm I'm going 85 and I don't even realize you ever done that before and it's just You get all stirred up, and it affects your foot on the gas pedal. You're so stirred up. Sometimes when I'm mowing the grass, I'll I'll listen to a podcast or something. i got to make sure I listen to something that that doesn't get me all stirred up. I'll be running into trees and everything. I'll be like doing all kinds of stuff because I get stirred up. And it's easy to get stirred up in the natural. You know what? I think it's time we get stirred up spiritually somewhat. And you know what? The way to get stirred up spiritually is not for me to start this and all that. And if they do that, no. Scripture tells me I'm not wrestling with my grumbling, my complaining, and all this stuff. I wrestle when I get down on my knees. I begin to pray. I cast down those imaginations. I begin to pray against high things. I wonder sometimes if the reason we're not seeing stuff happen is because we're still praying for low things. The stuff we can see. 
No, we need to be praying against the high things. And when I get on my knees, I begin to fight a fight that is not of this world. It's something spiritual. And I need his wounds to remind me. This is a battle I'm in. He didn't go to the cross just for my salvation. It was, but he fought a battle on my behalf. And I need to pick up the weapons of warfare and begin to fight as well in my own life. I need to fight for my family. I need to fight for my church, for my community. I need to begin to fight. For the name of Jesus Christ. And here's the great thing. Because while his wounds reveal that I'm in a fight. Here's the best thing about the fight. Is that his wounds reveal that he's already won. (laughs) Now I don't know about you. You don't have to raise your hand. But I don't know how many of you got in fights. We'll make sure we say when you're a kid. Because hopefully you're still not. I don't know how many of you got in fights at school or when you were a kid. And, and like a fight's about to happen. Something starts, well, let's, let's not even say a fight. Maybe you just played sports. You were in the arena of sports getting ready to fight someone. And those butterflies begin to turn in your stomach. How many of you ever had those butterflies? You're nervous. You've done it. You're, you're, it's just turning there. And part of the reason is because you don't know the outcome. You're nervous. Now, now if I knew that I was going to beat up everybody... I'd just fight everybody. Not really. Not today. I'm saying when I was a kid. But you don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. You're unsure. And so that's what the butterflies are. They're uncertainty. Let me tell you, in this battle, I do not need to enter with any uncertainty. I do not need to enter with any doubt because he has already overcome. His wounds revealed to me that there is victory that is assured. There is victory that has been completed. There is something much greater happening in the middle of my battle because I know that he has already overcome. Colossians says this, And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. That means openly. He, he, it wasn't some private thing. No, this was a public spectacle that he's already defeated the enemy. He's already defeated the devil. In fact, he says he made a show of them openly saying, look, I've already won. The battle, you may still have to fight a few skirmishes, but the battle has already won. My wounds reveal that I have already overcome. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 say, now thanks be to God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ and maketh man manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. That phrase causeth us to triumph is a word that was used of generals back in the day and they go fight battles. And they'd win a victory. The, the general who had, who had uh, won the battle, he would gather all of his troops and he would put them behind him in a big parade and they would enter the city and there'd be everyone cheering, there'd be everyone doing all kinds of stuff and here comes the battle parade. That's what he said he did with you and I. He put us behind him, he's the general, and now we enter battle already in victory. He's already triumphed over everything. He's already conquered everything. And through him I have victory in every situation. <laughs> It's kind of crazy God doesn't do it like we think we should. Like, he's already had the victory parade, and we think we're still in the middle of the battle. He's already led you in victory in your situation. And I want to tell you today, his wounds revealed to me that in the middle of the enemy trying to do its best in my life, in the middle of it trying to discourage me and throw things my way, I need to remember, I've already marched in the parade. Come on, I've already been led in triumph. 
I've already walked the road of victory. The monuments have already been erected. The parade has already been thrown. No, this is just a formality. I just need to keep holding fast to my profession of faith. And the author of Hebrews tells us that because he has fought the battle and won, it's placed him in a very unique position. Hebrews chapter 7 says, Wherefore, because he has won the battle, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that came unto God by him. Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them, for such an high priest became us, who was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins, and then for the people's. For this he did once, when he offered up himself. This verse tells us that because he won the battle, because he has overcome, he now intercedes for you and I, that he now pleads our case daily. He pleads our case daily. Now, when I think of really bad people, I think, man, well, they really need it. But the truth be told, there's very few of us like Job. That, that, that Satan comes up and says, I've been walking to and fro. And God says, well, have you considered my servant Job? And Satan can't think of anything really to bring against him. There's usually a few things on my list. I don't know about you. Sometimes the devil's not lying when he comes before God. He's not lying when he says, have you, seen my, have you seen your servant who's been down there gossiping and doing all kinds of stuff and he's been cheating, he's been doing this? Sometimes it's true. He's the accuser of the brethren and it's not always false accuse. Does that make false accuse? That didn't sound right in my head. And this is going to date me, me saying this, but here's what his wounds reveal to me. Because when, when, the, when Satan comes up before the Lord, he's, he's continually pleading my case, saying, you know what, my mercy's enough, my grace is enough, my blood has covered that. That, that the enemy comes up, and sometimes I really deserve what he's saying. I, I, it's really true what he's saying. And, and, and this, is, this isn't Bible, this is just in my head, this is going on, one of the many things going on. But I just get this idea that, that, that Satan comes up and he says, you know what, Lynn's done this, and, and Brother Terry's done this, and, and, and these people, they, they've done this, and, and this is just in my head what happens. Because in my mind, I'm thinking he's arguing my case for me. He's got this big speech wrote out about how wonderful and how flowery and this, all this great language and, and look at all this stuff he's done. But in my mind, because his wounds revealed to me that he's already overcome, I think the greatest testimony that comes against the enemy, and this is going to date me when I say this, I can just see Jesus, maybe he doesn't really say it, but he simply says to the enemy, Brother Terry's done all this, he's done all that, and Jesus just says, talk to the hand. Because what's on his hand? It's the battle that's already been won. You know what? He already paid the price. And it may be true. But you know what? I don't even need to say anything. Look. Just look. Talk to my hand. The scars prove that you know what? The battle's already won. It's already been overcome. I don't have to worry about it. Yes, I need to repent. But you know what? He's fighting on my behalf. The Lord has already overcome on your situation. Somebody needs to get a revelation of his wounds today. That you know what? I know the enemy's coming in like a flood, it seems like. But he's raising up a standard for you on your behalf. How do I know that he's greater? How do I know that he's overcome? How do I know that the battle has already been won? Because his wounds revealed to me that a battle has been fought and won. The last thing that I believe we need to get a revelation of is that his wounds reveal his love for you and I. Somebody needs that revelation today. Let me tell you, if you've never received the Holy Ghost or been baptized, today's a great day for that to happen. 
The water's ready. It's ready to go. I checked it this morning. In fact, it needed a little water, so I turned the faucet on and almost forgot about it. It was almost full and overflowing. But it's not. It's just ready. Romans chapter 5 and verse 6 says, For when we were yet without strength. How many of you remember that moment when you were without strength? We sang the one song that says, When you've come to your end. When you were without strength. In due time. That means at the right moment. Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That word commendeth simply means proves. We live in a generation of proof. Well, prove that to me. I'm praying that that gets proved to somebody today. And let me tell you, the way it gets proved is by a revelation of His wounds. Well, how do I know God loves me? How do I know He's real? We've got all this, and I don't believe this, and I don't believe that. I'm just praying that God reveals to somebody today the revelation of His wounds. How do I know He loves me? Because while I was a sinner, while, he, while I did not care anything about God, He died for me. When I was without strength and there was nothing that I could do to save myself, Christ came in at the right moment and died for my sins. Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 16 says this, Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. You see, there was a tradition that when the Jews would go up to uh, a sacred place, when they would go to the temple, they would have a tradition where they would mark themselves. It wasn't a permanent tattoo or anything like that, so don't say I'm preaching that. But they would mark themselves in some way, either on their hands or on their arms. And it would reveal the journey that they had been on. It would reveal that I have been to the temple and I'm excited about it. It was something they did to commemorate so they wouldn't forget their journey. And this verse tells me, speaking prophetically, as Jesus would speak, Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. You see, not only are his wounds for me to see, not only when I see his wounds do I know that he loves me, but every time that he sees his wounds, he's reminded of how much he loves you. He loves you enough that the, most thing, the thing that he was most excited about, the thing that he was most zealous of in his life, he left imprinted on his hands. And that was you and I. I need a revelation of his love. You see, how do I know that he knows where I am at this moment in my life? There's people in this place that you don't think anyone knows where you are in this moment. How, how do I know that He knows where I am in this moment? How does He know that I'm in this place, that I'm in this circumstance? How does He know that I even exist? Let me remind you this morning that He knows because He engraved you upon the palms of His hands. That His nail marks remind not just us of Him, but they remind Him of you today. He's looking today and His wounds are a revelation, if you would, to Himself. That He loves you. Let me remind you this morning that His healing is not a symbol of His love for me. His deliverance does not represent His love for me. His provision does not demonstrate that He loves me. No, but when I look at His wounds, 
Suddenly his wounds reveal the depth of his love for me. And when I see his wounds, all I can do is say, like Thomas, my Lord and my God. As we close this morning, my Lord and my God. You see, I believe there's somebody here today that needs that revelation of my Lord and my God. You need to know that you are marked upon somebody's hands this morning. You need to get a revelation as Thomas did. He can show up in the middle of any situation, in the middle of your circumstance and say, look, here I am. And he'll do that for you in your life. In John chapter 20 verse 19, we already read it. I'm going to reread it. Then the same day at evening being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed him his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. This takes place just a few verses before. This is the first time that Jesus shows up. We read the second time when Thomas is there, but this is the time when Thomas isn't there. And the first thing that Jesus is recorded by John is saying to his disciples are these three words, four words. Peace be unto you. First thing he said to the disciples, peace be unto you. Then he showed him his wounds. His wounds reveal peace to me this morning. I'm not here simply saying peace be unto you. I'm not here saying that. Because I can't know what every person in this room is going through. I don't know what every thought is. I don't know every circumstance. I don't know where every person's at. And to be honest, I can't relate to each problem. There's people in this room that you're going through stuff or have been through stuff. There's no way on earth I can say I know what you're going through. I can't do it. But I want to remind you this morning that there's one who bears the wounds and he knows. His wounds reveal peace in the midst of my suffering because we know that He understands and He knows what I'm going through. You see, He can offer peace in the middle of the battle because no, no matter how fierce the battle rages, because no, no, no matter how bad it seems to get, I know that He has already overcome so I can have peace in the middle of the battle. He offers peace to those in the middle of confusion. 1 Corinthians says, For God is not the author of confusion, but He is the author of peace. And there's people that sit here today, and there's no better word to describe your life right now than confusion. That's not of God. He's a God of peace. And if you are experiencing that today, that you're sitting there thinking, my life is just confusion, I challenge you to get a revelation of His wounds today. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 and following says this, But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Let me just say, we were all afar off, but through His blood He draws me close. For He is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments, contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. And he came and he did something. He preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. 
I know that was a lot of words with twains and enmities and all this stuff. What that simply means is you and I could not approach God. That's why there were sacrifices in the Old Testament. You had sin in your life and you cannot approach God with that. You cannot come into His presence with sin in your life. But there was a man who died on a cross for you. And that verse tells me that He broke down that wall that separated man from God. He made a way that there was peace. I was at war with God. Light and darkness is at war. Righteousness and sin is at war. But Jesus Christ broke down that wall. And that simply means that now I can come before Him. That when I call upon His name, God hears me. God listens to me. No matter what sin is in my life. No matter what circumstances in my life. And you know what it means I can do? It means I can get a revelation of His wounds. Of His love for me. My life. He has become peace. He's brought peace in the midst of my suffering. He's brought peace in the midst of a battle. But He's also brought peace into the midst of a life of sin. His wounds reveal that. Let me say, sin will tell you different. Sin will tell you that you're far from God. That there's no way anyone can love you. That there's no way there's any way back. That there's no way that that you've done too much. But I want to remind you that you are engraved in His hands this morning. That I'm constantly on His mind. I'm constantly on His heart. And that doesn't mean the saved people, the good people. Because while I was a sinner, He engraved me. Not when I was good. Not after I'd prayed for a while. Not after I'd dressed right and acted right and done all that. No, while I didn't care. While I was a wreck. He said, I love that person. Enough to engrave them right here on my hands. He cares for me like no other. He cares for me when all others cease to care. And He's here to reveal Himself to you today. I want us to stand this morning. I know there's people here that you're in the middle of situations that don't seem fair. That life is just throwing you one too many curveballs. I'm here to remind you Not only did He suffer, not only is it part of my, I can know Him better through suffering, but that He knows exactly what you're going through. That He is touched by your infirmities. Perhaps this morning you simply need a revelation that simply encourages you, that says, you know what, I can make it because He knows. Perhaps the battle's been raging hard in your life. You've been living right. You've been trying to do right. You've been trying to do the right things. You're, you're, you're saying the right prayers. You're trying to be faithful. And the enemy is just attacking you. Let me remind you to give you strength for another battle. Strength for another day. That although I still have to get up and it seems like I still have to fight the battles. I know ultimately that he has overcome. I know that he has overcome. And I know that I can have all kind of accusations brought against me. But his wounds speak even to the enemy. I lift my hands in surrender. You know what he does? He lifts his hands in victory. And says, I've already overcome. And I believe there's somebody here today. You need a revelation of his love. You're the the point in life. Maybe you think, "I, I never thought I'd be in this state. Definitely not at this age. And here I am, struggling, fighting. Seems like nothing's happening. Nothing's going right. I try and, and then it just, it just falls apart. 
nobody cares. My family's left me. I'm in a circumstance by myself. I'm here to remind you, just look at his hands this morning. You're already, you're already engraved upon his hands this morning. He loves you before you even knew that he did. Come on, he's pulling for somebody right now. I want us to pray right now in this moment. However you're comfortable praying, if you just want to stand there and pray quietly. But I I would just ask you to pray this, everyone. Lord, reveal to me, I need a revelation of your wounds. Lord, reveal to me what you are speaking to my heart right now. Come on, it doesn't have to be like the next person, like they're praying. It just needs to come from your heart is the only requirement. It can be a simple prayer. Lord, I need you. Lord, I'm at the end of myself. And Lord, I need you today. Lord, I need your strength in the middle of this circumstance. Lord, I need your strength in the middle of this trial. Lord, the battle's raging hard. And Lord, I need reminded that you have already overcome. Lord, I ask you to reveal your love to somebody today. We're getting ready to open the altars. And if you need, if you need, if you need strength in the middle of suffering, if you're in the battle and you need strength, you need encouragement, reminded, then you are free to make your way. But before you do, I just want to make sure that those who need his love this morning know what to do. The way that I respond when I see the wounds is I confess. That's what Thomas did. He said, my Lord and my God. The way that I respond to his love today, if you've never experienced the love of the Lord, this is how you respond. You take a step of faith, make your way to an altar, and then you simply repent, which means I confess to the Lord, Lord, I'm at the end of myself. I can't do it by myself. My way's not working. This is not right. And then included is not just saying I'm a bad person, but then I also say, Lord, I want to follow after you. I want to serve you. I want to turn my life towards your direction. That's my response to his love. It's called repentance. And scripture tells me that when I ask for forgiveness, he is faithful and true to forgive. You can leave this place forgiven today. Scripture tells me that I should be baptized for the remission or the washing away of my sins. I am baptized because of His love. I'm buried with Him. The old man is cast away. And I come up out of the water, not because of the water, but because of His sacrifice, a new creature in Jesus Christ. And you can receive the Holy Ghost today. Not only did He leave the marks in His hands, but He said that resurrection power can dwell in you today. That means He comes inside of you. I don't know why, but I felt this real strong today. The enemy will convince you that what you feel now, you can just get peace enough. You can come up here and you can pray a little bit and feel good. But if you want to leave this place and have this feeling on Tuesday, you need the Holy Ghost. You can try and conjure it up. You can get on YouTube and play whatever song they're going to play and get the room all quiet, but you cannot get this feeling without the Holy Ghost. And I just felt so strong. The enemy will convince you to come pray for a little bit, but not get what you need. And I'm I'm telling you, just matter-of-factly, what you need is the Holy Ghost today. And there's somebody in here who needs to hear that. So you come to the altar, you ask for forgiveness, you confess your sins to Him, 
And then you simply lift your hands and say, Lord, I need your spirit in me. It's a free gift. I don't stand up here and beg. Lord, I need your spirit in my life. Scripture says his spirit will come in me. It'll be like a river and it'll begin to come out of me in what's called other tongues, a language that I don't know. Because the only thing that I can control completely is my tongue. And when I give control of my tongue to him, I'm completely given to him. It'll sound strange. It'll sound odd. It's the Holy Ghost. And it'll flow out of you this morning. You can leave this place different than the way you came in. His wounds need to bring a revelation to your life. Amen. I'm opening this altar at this time. If you need strength, if you need encouragement, if you need need faith to make it through, that you can keep holding fast that profession of faith, this altar is open to you today. If you need a revelation of His love, I challenge you to make your way forward today. There'll be people that pray with you. It's not something scary. It's the power of God. It's the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. This altar is open this morning.
scripture says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when the word of God is preached, there's faith that can arise in a place. However, I believe that revelation comes from God himself. That means that my words cannot bring revelation directly to you. It must come from God. I want us to pray. I, I, I know if it, as his word goes forth that there's faith in this place. I know there's faith to heal, to deliver. I know there's faith that someone can be filled with the Holy Ghost because his word has gone forth. I want us to pray right now. I just, I just feel it strongly in my spirit that, that <laughs> there's someone here that just, you need a revelation. You've listened to my words, but my words are not going to bring the revelation. It must come from God. My words can, and, and the words of God can increase your faith. But there's someone that needs a revelation in this place today. And I just don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to miss it. I don't know what other opportunity I may have. I don't want to miss the opportunity. So I want us to pray all together one more time. And I want us to pray that the Lord would reveal to someone. And I already said at the start, the enemy's not going to like talking about his greatest defeat. And he's, he doesn't want anyone to be saved. Did you know that? He does not want you to be saved. And so he's going to put every thought in your mind that's going to keep you from responding to him this morning. And I want us to pray that the revelation would go past anything Satan's trying to do in my mind and trying cloud and this is going on, that's going on, maybe it's not me. No, I just want there to be a revelation in somebody's life today. That your eyes are opened. Let's pray one more time. Lord Jesus, we come before you today.